Hello, Rise Guys. Hello, Rise Gals. It is time once again for Mad About, Mad About You. Are you all ready for this? <laughs> Hi everybody, I'm uh, Russ Fader. And I'm John Marbley. This is Mad About Mad About You, your weekly recap podcast for seminal 90s sitcom Mad About You. Uh, yes, John, how you doing? I'm fine, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. You had a good week so far? <laughs> it's Sunday. But, okay, we haven't spoken in a little while. How's the week since we've last spoken been? Oh, yeah, fine. <laughs> okay, now how's... No, now, I've been the sick. coming week. Oh, you've been sick, so you were lying just now. Yeah, I was lying. Okay. And now I I'm telling you. I don't believe anything else you have to say. <laughs> I'm just going to lie the rest of this episode. It'll sound more you're, or less the same, I think. You're an unreliable narrator now. Yeah, that's right, which is my favorite. Mm-hmm. I'm holding real, Caulfield. Yeah, he's he's generally reliable. Oh, that's what I thought. I thought people called him unreliable, though. You're a Humbert Humbert. Well, I wouldn't trust him to, like, pick up my dry cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I, want, I know that's not what yeah, people mean but i mean i mean he might be reliable as far as storytelling but as far as like tasking him with say, something i wouldn't sure i was gonna say i'd like to see that the sequel to catcher in the rye just being about him picking up dry cleaning but that's as generally inconsequential as anything that happens in catcher in the rye that's true holden does stuff yeah all these creeps and too. bozos have clean yeah. clothes in episode two, or in part two, Holden does more stuff. That's why Salinger never wrote a sequel. Probably. Probably. You know, or maybe he did. Do you think we're going to find that he did? Oh, like Harper Lee? Yeah, well, Harper Lee... No, Harper Lee, Lee actually we, wrote it later. She actually wrote it, yes. Yeah. Salinger's been dead for yeah. enough years that if there was to be one, there would have been one. Right. So I'm sure people so went forget. through that stuff. All of his stuff pretty well. What if they didn't? Like, of course they did. <laughs> what, if he, what if he was just a recluse, and then he died, and they were just like... Ah, poor guy. Okay, so. How was your um, week? <clears throat> my week was good. I took a day trip yesterday. I went to Philadelphia. Oh, where wow. I saw, I saw a live taping of the podcast Never Not Funny with Jimmy Pardo. Oh, yeah, you love uh, that show. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Met up with some friends out there. It was really, really cool. It's nice. And it was also fun because there was a big line to meet the to meet Jimmy and and Matt Belknap his partner. Uh-huh. And I was at the end of that line, and then my friends were just like, uh, "We're not going to stay for this, so we don't need to meet him." And I was like, "Okay, great, we'll go next door to the bar." And uh, on our way out, I was just like, "Oh, I want to get a T-shirt." And so I went back to get a T-shirt, and right next to the T-shirt was right next to the, the T-shirt stand was uh, Matt Belknap and Jimmy Pardo signing and talking and you know chit-chatting with everybody so i bought my t-shirt i caught eyes with jimmy pardo as he was saying goodbye to somebody i was like great show thanks so much he was like hey thank you very much for coming i was like boom did it (laughs) cut the line cut the line said my piece got out of there it was great see money can buy anything i i guess that's what we learned from yeah (laughs) the almighty dollar love it losers wait in line (laughs) lines are from losers lines are for losers from Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, too. <laughs> yeah, we're coming up with a lot of bad sequels. I love that. I like that plan a lot. 
Oh, John. So we've watched we've watched season one, episode twelve of Mad About You, which was the sequel to season one, episode eleven. And frankly, oh, uh, are you gonna say it bad? Was worse. It was worse. Well, than sure. Episode eleven. We're coming off one of our favorite episodes of the show. It's true. Yes, this was uh, an episode called Made About You, M-A-I-D. It's not M-A-D-E. It's not a mafia episode, though that would be great. Oh, it would be great if it would. January 6th, Wednesday, 1993. We're in the new year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We did it. Yeah. John, who who did you? I'm so glad 92's over. You and me both. Oh, right. We lost so many celebrities. (laughs) (laughs) John. New Year's Eve going into 1993. Who'd you smooch? I didn't know that was a thing yet, I think. I didn't know that was a <laughs> you, thing till Friends. You loser. What a loser you are. Did you? Ah, <laughs> oh, who didn't I kiss when the ball <laughs> dropped? Yeah, you little Long Island monsters. Oh, that's me. I was I was soon to be 11 years old and just... Smooch city. <laughs> Take a number, ladies. <laughs> And by ladies, I mean probably friends of my parents who yep. were having a party at my parents' house. Oh, so did you know that was a thing before Friends? Um, I mean, Friends didn't teach it to me. Oh, it taught Frankly, me. Frankly, I don't know. I don't know when I learned that, but uh, but yeah, I know that it was uh, I, yeah, I don't know when I learned that. I don't think I would attribute it to Friends. I would. Yeah. Thank you, Friends. Thank. you. For this and so many other things, thank you, Friends. Uh, you want to hear the TV guide summary? Very much. It's very concise. I'll bet it's rambly. <laughs> the Buckman's new maid develops a crush on Paul, but the feeling's not mutual. Mm, yeah? You know exactly yeah, they, what you're getting into. They did it. There's no fluff in there. Nope. No fluff. And no ambiguity either. No. I mean, look, you're right, but as we've already... There's no ambiguity except for... You already covered it in this episode. You say the Buckman's got a new maid. Is that a new M-A-I-D? Is that a new M-A-D-E? Right. Everyone should assume, for this episode, certainly, when we use made as a noun, we mean the cleaning kind. And by cleaning, I don't mean cleaning, like (laughs) rubbing someone out with a gun. I mean uh, dusting and, you know, not for fingerprints. I'm 90% of the way there as far as understanding what you're talking about. So, bud... By the end of this episode, I hope to be totally clear as to which maid you mean. I think you will be. I hope so. Especially given that you've watched it. (laughs) (laughs) And that this isn't really confusing. (laughs) What was on TV? Uh, Oh, I love it when this happens, John. I don't know what you mean. We got a new show, John. Oh, yes. Oh, very exciting. New year, new show. New Year, new show. It is on CBS. Okay. It starts at 8 p.m. And it is called Space Rangers. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Oh, man. How could that be anything but stupid? There's no way. I don't know. I don't know. How... Why don't we have a television show? Well, it's not 1993. No, you're right. There's more channels now. very sophisticated now. That's true, but it's all very sophisticated. Oh, Oh, it only did one season. Only did one one short season. In the year 2104, the Earth colony Fort Hope on the distant planet of Avalon struggles to survive. A small force of police slash marines called the Space Rangers Corps are the first, last, and only line of defense 
for the colonists against crime and the perils of interstellar exploration. I mean, it might be better than it sounds. Like, listen, Hat Squad wasn't as bad as you made it sound. Uh, yes, it was, but also, here's where you may not be totally wrong. Like, look, it got six episodes. Yeah. But here's something. On Amazon, it got 4.2 out of five stars. Wow. And there are 254 reviews. Wow. That's not a small amount of reviews. That is not. I bet that that's more than mad about you, probably, sadly. It might be. It might be. It's also oh, distributed gosh. by Mill Creek, who are the same I people know. who distributed the you. Mad About You DVDs. I was going to say it. Yep. <laughs> it's out on DVD. And I also looked. There's two discs. The first disc are all six episodes. The second disc is this weird thing where they like they jammed the episodes together to make little mini movies. Oh, my gosh. Except it's not like episode one and two, episode three and four, episode five and six. It's like the first movie is one and three. The second movie is two and four. And the third movie is like episode six and three or something like that. I remember the third one starts with the second episode. Like it doesn't go in order. It's so weird. Wait, Russ, how many reviews? I thought I saw 254. Mad about you as 229. Oh, no. (laughs) 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 oh my gosh ouch Uh, 4.3 great cast on this show um that's not entirely true most of the people i've never heard of but (laughs) featuring as dr mimmer is everybody's favorite character actor brother Clint Howard. Oh, is that Ron Howard's brother? It is Ron Howard's brother. Yes, that's right. I, I've heard him mentioned on podcasts oh, yeah. featuring his brother. Yeah. Have you? Are you familiar? You're familiar with Clint Howard, yeah? Uh, not really. I'm looking at his photo, and he looks like a hillbilly. Oh yeah. Well, that's kind of his thing. Uh, Clint is not the most handsome gentleman, but Ron puts him in every one of his movies. That's so sweet. It's really sweet, and it's really funny. And like, oh gosh, Clint Howard, just he's the nicest guy. I mean, because Ron Howard is also the nicest guy. Right. And like, I think on MTV, they gave Clint Howard some sort of award oh, like an at MTV like movie a award? movie. Yeah. For like, for his uh, long servitude or service or, or service or something like that. Uh, two movies and it was like a, a you know like 90% joking them presenting this award but he got up and he was just like hey thanks so much everybody I really appreciate you and everybody uh, presenting me with this it's good to be out there it's good to be working it's good to be able to do what I like he was super earnest <laughs> he's Aww. the nicest guy yeah oh. some interesting things I found on the Space Rangers Wikipedia page uh huh so they were, oh, I'm sorry, uh, I, I, I can't skip ahead. I cannot skip ahead for one extra moment. Good, because I was going to come back to, I think, what you're about to say. Is it the cast member? Uh-huh. Is it the fact that as Commander Cheno uh-huh. is Linda Hunt? That's right. From headlining as Ron, the guy in the airplane, N-C-I-S-L-A, your show? Yes, I'm one degree removed from, well, however, I don't know how we want to measure degrees. But yes, sure, we have a direct connection. Okay, I always say direct. But sure, you were practically on Space Rangers. Practically on Space Rangers. (laughs) And I guess then practically in Kindergarten Cop. (laughs) 
Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Also, did you see that Buddy Hackett's in an episode? I did not see that. Playing a guy named Lenny Hacker, who must be a space Stop comedian. It. Oh my God. Now I just want to watch the show called Space Comedians. I mean, so do I. And I think, I know you will. I think I might. Oh my gosh. I love this. This is great. Move over, Hat Squad. Um, It did. There's... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's a terminology for this show. They were really trying to build a world out oh, of wow. and make a sci-fi okay. thing. There's a terminology section in Wikipedia. So you've got things like belly snappers. What do you think a belly snapper is, John? Uh, some kind of alien, like the alien from Aliens? That makes some kind of sense, but you sound pretty dumb because the <laughs> correct answer is... <laughs> It's a single person escape pod a and it's used belly snapper, a belly snapper. It's used to travel to a planet's surface. Oh uh, yeah. They call it that because it, uh, it makes your stomach upset. It kind of gets you nauseous cause it goes uh, a little bit bumpy and a little bit fast. Uh, okay. It'll yeah. I got yeah. you. Snaps your belly. Yeah. Yes. What do you think a slingship is? A slingship. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guess it's a mini pod ship that's used for smaller trips. Like, from the space station or bigger shuttle to like a planet. What are you, some kind of idiot? <laughs> it's the Space Rangers spaceship of choice, John. Oh, okay. They could use a planet's orbital gravity to sling a slingship into hyperspace apart from the, you don't need any anything additional. It uses the planet's own gravity. You don't need to have an extra thing aboard ship. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, makes a world of sense. Yeah. And then you've got banshees. Banshees? What is banshees? Oh, they're Irish ghosts that scream. They're pretty that's pretty close actually. Yeah. <laughs> a banshee is a spacefaring peddler. They are violent, they are impervious to regular weapons, and they scream. And here's something that's fun. If they kill everyone on a ship, they envelop the ship in a cocoon and teleport it back to their hive. Oh no. No. Oh. That's pretty scary. Yep. There are also such planets as Avalon, which is their home planet, Katraz, which is a penal colony with no guards and no ways to leave. And also they named it after Alcatraz. Oh, sure. Alcatraz. I bought a car from mm -hmm. him once. <laughs> oh, man. Yikes. <laughs> And then you've uh, the planet of the Blood Nebula. Well, that sounds which, like uh, a bad place to go. Oh, it sure is. That's uh, where smugglers and slavers hide. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah, the red clouds make it uh, very difficult to enforce the law. Huh. Oh, so it's like Deadwood or what? Westworld. Probably. It jumped the gun on Westworld. It did Westworld better than Westworld. <laughs> and it did it sooner than Westworld. <laughs> well, not Westworld the movie. No, that's true. From which, did it after I forget which worse. person, but someone from Mad About You was in that movie. Yeah, he sure I was. Think I think a sofa salesman. Who... I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. The guy we have to blame for that hideous gigum. Oh, and it, boy, oh boy, does that sofa come into play today. A real bummer. Oh, right? Ugh. But you know what's interesting? This, uh, well, the creator of the show has like a pretty interesting, uh, he also created The Outer Limits. Did you watch that? No, I did not. Oh, no, he wasn't a creator. Oh, he was an executive producer and story producer. So he was like a, one of the main writers on the show. 88 episodes okay. of The Outer Limits. And 70 wow. episodes of Poltergeist The Legacy. I didn't know they made a show out of that. And nine apps of the Magnificent Seven. See, Space Ranger. Oh, wow. Space Rangers was his first show, it looks like. From uh, what I've read briefly, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Oh, and Jay Roach wrote on it. That does surprise me. Yeah. Mr. Comedy. Yeah. Mr. Meet the Fockers himself. That's right. Very interesting. I love it. That is it's a great good to have fun. another show. It is. 
Space Rangers, check it out, gang. Uh, yeah, you can buy the first season for less than $6, I believe. Ouch. The complete series. Oh, that's uh, a bucking up. That's true. That's a good deal. You'd be a fool not to. Yeah. <laughs> John Marbley, what happened in this world of ours? Oh, boy. I mean, you know, it was a big time period I was searching through. Weeks. Sure. Weeks of news I have. Oh, this is great news for the Trump organization. Uh Uh-oh. Right before the new year, December 18th, 1992, council approves Trump's plan for apartments on the west side. Well, good. You know the ones. Tell me. Tell me everything. You don't know the ones? Tell me about it. From 59th to 72nd? Okay, sure. On the west side. You pass them all the time when you, all, you know, all those times, I guess you take the west side highway. You never take the west side highway, do you? I never do. Okay, well, they're very prominent. They're right there. Anyone that goes to Riverside Park sees these buildings. And actually, at least one of them voted, and they got his name off of it, I think. Like the tenants? Huh. Yeah, but the other two, there's like three or four buildings that are just huge, like, residential buildings facing New Jersey. So big buildings, and they have his name on them. Correct. Weird. Correct. Out of character. Yeah. Okay. Oh, this is a fun one. Turtle Bay residents take on OTB's most lucrative parlor. You know Turtle Uh Bay? I do not know Turtle Bay. Do you know anything about New York City? Very little. Okay. (laughs) Well, Turtle Bay's a little area in the East 50s. It's where Stephen Sondheim lives, I believe. Oh, really? A lot of beautiful little townhouses. But back in 92, there was a very prominent OTB, like, hangout that was causing a little uproar amongst the uh, residents of that neighborhood. Interesting. Because... It was bringing in seedy foot traffic from all over the city, you know? Right, right, right. Let's see. You finding anything good? Nope. Next article. (laughs) Great. Oh, this one's great. This one's great. Dateline. Go ahead. December 20, 1992, where the elves wear yarmulkes. Oh, my. Hoboken. I'm listening. It was a cold, dark afternoon in early December, and the jolly old man with the twinkling eyes was having a busy day. In a few weeks, the children would be opening their presents, and there were still thousands of orders left to fill. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. He pushed open the door to the enormous room where bustling workers were filling up boxes with toys and books. Harry, the jolly old man yelled. Bring me a box of Israel dreidels. <laughs> in Saul Sharfstein's toy shop, the elves wear yarmulkes. In a oh faceless gosh. brick building on the edge of Hoboken's decrepit industrial district, Mr. Sharfstein, 72, and his brother Bernie, 66, run the Katav Publishing House and Katav Holiday Products, Inc. Isn't that amazing? I love it. From a kitchen operation making lead dreidels behind their father's religious bookstore in the Lower East Side, the Sharfsteins have built a $3 million a year publishing and novelty empire. Their products are sold at thousands of synagogue-affiliated sisterhood gift shops all over the country, as well as in the Netherlands, France, Argentina, Panama, and Brazil. Anywhere there are are Jews, said Bernie Sharfstein. (laughs) Anywhere. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Is this basically just like, hey, a couple of Jews sell things and they're just like, no, they're elves. It's around the holidays. So they're elves. That is not clear. (laughs) Was he just planning on writing a story about this company? And then it got to be like, well, yes, I think that's the the angle. The editor was just like, we need something Christmassy. He's like, all right, fine. These Jews make stuff. Uh, They're elves. (laughs) You know what? That is true. But it's because they make <laughs> toys for kids, at least. Okay, great. Thank you. That's what I needed. That, so they also, are, in a sense, if that's what an elf is, that they are elves. I'm more than a little bit put off by lead dreidels. 
I know, right? But that's that was like, the old days. Oh, see, in addition to sounds... wood plastic and inflatable ugh, vinyl dreidels. Oh gosh, an inflatable <laughs> dreidel? Yeah, I can, uh, yeah, I what believe a, it. What a boring bachelor party. That... <laughs> I'm trying to picture spinning a lead dreidel, and I just can't. Like, you try to spin it, and it just, boom, and it lands. And That's, you die, right? And you die. Yeah, if you have to. You know, in my version, a whole bunch of Jewish kids are sitting around playing dreidel, and then people break in, and they try to rob the place, and somebody loads a gun full of dreidels made of lead, and they take out the uh, the robbers. Uh-huh. Why, am I, why am I saying this? In a podcast, this is a terrific oh, screenplay. Play- yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> Sweepstakes. Anyone that can write that movie and sell it first? No. <laughs> I want to have. No. <laughs> do not do that. That is an unofficial sweepstakes. He goes, these are my ideas, he said. Some of them I stole. Some are original. <laughs> uh, and speaking of this made in this episode, uh, they immigrated from Russia in 1922. Okay, great. And they opened a religious bookstore in the Lower East Side called Ktav, which means to write in Hebrew. Sure. But you knew that already, right, Russ? Uh, I, uh, uh, no. From your devoted study of the Torah as a child? Uh, It's very funny how, you know what they say, if you don't use it, you lose it. And also, if you never used it, you never had it. (laughs) And that takes us to where we are now. (laughs) You know that catchy saying. Oh, this is sad. Towards the end of the article, Mr. Sharfstein said the years of inhaling lead flumes had left an indelible impression on him. I have a stunted brain, he said. It's what kept me from getting too wise. It helps retain some childish qualities. Once you lose your qualities, you lose what it takes to be a good toy maker. Well. That is a darkly optimistic quote. Best of luck to you and your beautifully stunted brain, sir. Dateline. Go ahead. What are you doing, chorus line? Yeah, I'm just... Man, that guy bummed me right out. I can't I can't bring myself to a more joyous dateline than that. It, it would feel disingenuous. December 22, 1992. A look at life after mass marriage for 2,075 couples, give or take 200. Ten years together, thanks to Sun Young Moon. Didn't we talk okay. about the Moonies once on the podcast? Yes, briefly, I We think. did, right? And you didn't know about the yeah. mass weddings? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, here's proof. <laughs> they got married in Madison Square Garden ten years before this article was written. 2,075 couples at once. So this is a 10-year anniversary for them. Yes. In a mass wedding of 2,075 couples in Madison Square Garden, they were widely viewed as bit players in a bizarre show produced by the Reverend Sun Young Moon, who uh, Mr. Costanza sold uh, sculptures of Jesus to. Right. Strangers screamed at them as they sold flowers on the street, and Mrs. Gullery's father said he thought seriously about having her kidnapped and brought home. Oh, sure. Like, what do you do when your kid's in a cult? That's a great question. I guess you pay someone to kidnap them. I... Have you seen the um, the documentary on Scientology? Uh, going Clear? Yes. Absolutely. That's real good. You know, I live right around the corner from the Celebrity Center. Really? Oh, yeah. I see Scientologists all day and night. That's fascinating. It actually humanizes the whole thing. That's how it starts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to becoming one. Yeah. I'm looking forward to knowing you one. Here's a great headline that we're not going to get into the story because it's a little boring. Listen, I have a lot of news this week, and I'm just going through it all because it's all interesting. Give me headlines. This one's a classic New York story. Grave site may be under proposed incinerator. The proposed oh. site for a trash incinerator in the Brooklyn Navy Yard may sit atop graves of Revolutionary War prisoners. 
<laughs> let, let this be a lesson to us all. In the future, <laughs> let's lead with the graves of revolutionary <laughs> Prisoners, which would make them Brits, right? Well, hard to say, I guess. It could be either side. Boy, can you think of anything worse to an effete Englishman than being buried under a trash incinerator? (laughs) (laughs) No, I cannot. (laughs) Here's another great one. Dateline. December 28, 92. Harry Connick arrested. Harry Connick Jr., the singer and musician, was arrested at Kennedy International Airport last night when he tried to board an airliner while carrying an unloaded semi-automatic pistol. Come on, Harry. Harry Connick Jr. thinks one of the bare necessities is a handgun. (laughs) (laughs) Who tries to take a gun on? Even even in 92, who takes guns on planes? How many jazz singers? (laughs) Well, when you put it like that. Yeah. Because jazz singers are such a, like, you know, rough, rough bunch. You know, it goes back to the days of... Ella Fitzgerald, always carrying <laughs> yeah, guns. She always on had that little pistol in her handbag. Louis Armstrong and Benny Goodman would sit <laughs> and just take apart and reassemble their guns <laughs> yeah. at yeah. twenty thousand feet. Yeah, they always say they could do that with their trumpets, their clarinets, and trumpets and their tied glocks. behind their back. Yeah, <laughs> uncertain future for last baths on Lower East Side. Those are still there. 1993, people were worried the 10th Street Russian and Turkish baths were going to close. No way, man. You know what I'm talking about? Those those baths? Yeah. I've never been because it seems filthy. The bathhouse yeah. seems filthy? Yeah. Well, that's weird. Hey, why do people that's... bathe in a bathhouse, but... <laughs> nope, got nothing. <laughs> What's the deal with them, <laughs> you might even say? Here's another great, weird religious one. On Sunday, the Watch for Messiah in Crown Heights, January 3rd, 1993... All day, the Hasidic Lubavitcher Jews in black hats and long coats come to the locked storefront on Kingston Avenue in Crown Heights, wait to be buzzed in, then pronounce the words in Yiddish that have become rote among this religious people. Uh-oh. I'll try. Ich will kaifen Uh I won't. I, I don't know what that means. I won't critique your pronunciation. I do hope that the last word is just plain beeper. It is. Though. You want to hear the translation? Great. Yes, very much. I want to buy a Messiah beeper. <laughs> they need the beepers so they will know immediately when the Messiah has arrived. Oh my God, I love the idea of the Messiah contacting everybody. The beeper. Via, yeah. Oh. There's an expectation that at any moment there will be a revelation, said Chaim Halberstam, the audiovisual expert who oversees Messiah beeper sales. People are very tense waiting. Could happen any second, said Shifra Hendry, when the beepers go off, and they do several times a week. <laughs> Hundreds of Lubavitchers drop what they're doing and rush to the synagogue at 770 Eastern Parkway. Sweepstakes. Sweepstakes. Go to the synagogue. Take a photo. Take a picture with your beeper. With your beeper. <laughs> they're expecting to see their grand rabbi, Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson. What a great name, Schneerson. Uh. 90 years old and severely paralyzed from a stroke, transformed into the Messiah. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that amazing? Yes. The beeper is yes, now so is popular, amazing. parents worry it's distracting children at school. We had a special meeting about it, said Mr. Halberstam. And right in the middle, the beepers went off and everyone ran out to see the Rebbe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I keep on thinking of jokes, of ways to like joke about this scenario. Nothing is funnier than the reality that you're unfolding here. <laughs> Mr. Halberstam, a modest, self-educated electronics whiz, 
oversees the control center he built in a 6 by 12 foot room at Lubavitch headquarters. He installed 350 phone lines. People worldwide call, enter an identification code, and are patched in to hear the services live at the synagogue downstairs. There's okay. a waiting list for 200 lines to be added. I must have my own line, said Miss Oka, who, like all Lubavitch women, sits separate from the men upstairs at the temple where acoustics are bad. This sure. way, I can put on my speakerphone at home, clean, and do my nails. Oh. oh my gosh, whenever the rabbi appears, he's videotaped by Mr. Halbertstam, who makes copies on a 50 VCR system and sells the tapes it costs. Good for him. Well, I mean, now we're getting to it. Now we're getting to the fact that, oh, so so the Messiah is going to beep his way in. Also, buy my tapes. Right, <laughs> but it costs, it costs. Uh, you know what, that's true. That's the craziest thing I heard yet in this story. Yeah. <laughs> Are you out of your mind? <laughs> Holy cow. The people have such love for this rabbi, they never tire of the tape. It's sold out within hours after its availability was broadcast on the Messiah Beepers. We got to find this on YouTube. Oh, you're right. It's got to be out there, right? It's got to be out there. Oh, my God. Isn't that amazing? The idea of, like, a school meeting emptying with adults running, like, chasing their beepers is so funny. I mean, that's a sketch. Abs well, yeah. Well, a niche one, but sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Holy Lord. Here's the last, love it. the last thing I'll share. It was This article's called, like, you never seen it before. And it's an article about three different made-for-TV movies about the Amy Fisher, Joey Buttafuoco saga. Yes, 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 And the, yes. the pull quote I love is, the three movies differ significantly in their portrayal of Miss Fisher. On CBS, she's a delusional temptress, inexplicably determined to kill the wife of the kindly auto mechanic who fixes her car and once bought her a slice of pizza. On NBC, she's a confused kid who accidentally shot her lover's wife. And on ABC, she's a spoiled brat who may or may not have intended to kill the wife of a possible heel she may or may not have been sleeping with. But, what, but Long Island is fairly consistently presented as a wasteland of dangerous kids and dopey adults. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, do you remember any of those I love, movies? I watched the uh, the one with Drew Barrymore. Oh, which one? And she I did, rem do you remember? I don't. I think she was in the third one. Well, yeah, I could you be would wrong. say her performance seemed like uh, she was being a spoiled brat. Yeah, I, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was. I do remember that. Yeah, that there were like there were three being made at the same time. Wow, and everybody was a buzz. Yeah, it's like what we do now. Everything's the same. Yeah, well, not only is that is everything the same, but are you familiar with Andy Cohen? Do you know who Andy Cohen is? Of course, is? Bravo's the, the king of Bravo. Yeah, he's got a new show coming out where he interviews people, and he's going to be interviewing Mary Jo Buttafuoco. Oh, my gosh. In the coming weeks. So you've got to watch it. I've got to watch it. Everybody listening to this has to watch it. Now, who is that? <laughs> You'll have to tune in to find out. <laughs> No, I will. Uh, you will have to let me know about that. Yes, absolutely. Oh, man. I can't wait to finish this podcast so I can go look up this weird rabbi's video. <laughs> That's all the news that's fit to print. But what a what a end of a year, huh? Great work. Fantastic. Oh, My thank goodness. you, New York Times. We're such great journalists over there. We owe you a debt. <laughs> all right. Time honored tradition. Yep. Enough fun. Uh, Time to talk about that. Oh, yeah. About you. Yeah. <laughs> That is why we're here. Uh, this Throw episode, up our sleeves and get to work. I don't think I need to tell anyone this because we, we all know the shots. We all know the tone. But mm -hmm. so, of course, we all know it was directed by Mr. Barnett Gelman. BK. 
And it was written by Daryl Rowland and Lisa Benedictus, who wrote Paul and the Family. Do you think anybody calls Barnett Kelman the Burger King? No. I'm going to start it. I mean, the Burger King himself, BK Barnett Kelman. That's not bad. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not bad. <laughs> it was written by people who wrote one of your favorite apps for us. So yeah, that's surprising. I know. Because this is not one of your favorite apps. I'm reading not the room. great. Not great. How about you? Did you like this episode? I didn't think it was bad. I thought, I thought if I came home any given night of the week and watched this, it's a it good was, episode of TV. If I put it up it, against all the other ones, eh. Yes, it is very middle of the road. It felt like it could be any sitcom it's from t- any yeah. time. There were some old jokes in there that were surprising. It felt, yeah, it could have been an episode of I Love Lucy. That feels like you're using the, that sh- referencing that show in some kind of pejorative way, which I don't appreciate at all. You know what? You know what? That's fair and that's fine. I take it back. It felt very. The concepts felt very uh, dated. Like it could have been. It could have been Space Rangers. There's nothing. Yes. There's nothing very new about it. Right. Not a lot of belly snappers. <laughs> oh. Would have loved a belly snapper. A belly snapper in this universe is a joke that makes you laugh so hard you become sick. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna use that forever now. <laughs> well, speaking of the very first joke of the episode, I think is. A- <laughs> It really is a belly snapper. It's a real belly snapper. Because Paul and Jamie, we come in, they're watching TV in the dark. They're sprawled out on the couch together. Their hideous couch. And there's the the coffee table in front of them is covered in the newspaper and crap. Mm -hmm. And their apartment's clearly a pigsty. Mm -hmm. And they're watching TV. sitting on a gross, gross couch. Yeah, and then... Oh, I don't want to watch this. Change the channel. When were you appointed dictator? When you were in the bathroom. It was a coup. I think the coup joke's adorable. Me too. I like this joke a lot. It's a nice little relationship joke. Mm-hmm. Who's gonna get up? Who's gonna get up to change the channel? Nobody. So they start looking for the remote, and Jamie, Jamie is like, "Why don't we keep it on the TV?" Which is an interesting point. I, I'm inclined to agree with her. You want to keep the remote on the TV? Yes. And I think when you commence TV watching, you grab the remote, and then when you finish, you put it back. Look, I'll admit that it has to have a home, but they are they are not they are not at the beginning of the TV watching experience right now. They're in the middle of it. Correct. So the remote, even if they did keep them on top of the TV, it would be gone by now. I suppose we can deduce then that they, when they watch TV, they just flip it on and sit down. Yes. Or it, look, it could be under them. You've lost remotes before. You have been unable uh, to find a remote constantly. Before. Yeah, and they, and here we go, getting older and older, sounding like older and older people. They keep on making the remotes smaller and smaller. Uh, well, uh, they don't though. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Have Apple TV it? remotes? Oh, well, those are tiny, but c- cable TV remotes? That's true. Like the size of a pickup truck. The, mi- the mid-size remote control You is can use it to hang a, f- the- a picture on the wall and hammer a nail in. The medium remote control is going the way of the Dodo. Yes. They're either yes. very, very large or very, very small. Which I hate. Also, you can't get away with having like less than three now. That's true, too. I mean, we've never had more of a need for a universal. Have you ever had universal remotes, though? No, I never trusted them. Well, yeah, I've bought them, and they don't work. So That's you were not right surprising. Have, you were right to have never trusted them. Yeah. It sounds like a really good solution. Which is, oh, I wish that I had a remote that did all these things. And then you buy it, and it's just like, oh, this is garbage. Yeah, because it just seems to be built on the assumption of like, oh, you know what? I bet all these th- different things work the same. Yeah. And they're never made by, like, and this is really telling, you know, they're never made by any name, any brand name that you've heard of. Yeah. It's like, oh, I've got a Sony TV and a 
Panasonic DVD player <laughs> and a Samsung Blu-ray, and it all goes through. I've got, I've got a PlayStation, a Sony PlayStation. And yeah, what, and a, Russ, where's your remote from? Oh, it's uh, by Unix. <laughs> well, <laughs> did you mean to say one of the most popular operating systems in the world? I look. No, it's not. <laughs> not that Unix. Not UNIX. I mean UNICKS. It's it's by it's named after uh, gentlemen who have been castrated. <laughs> oh, the Unic Corporation. Yeah, <laughs> that's um, another reason why it's a lousy corporation. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. So yes, all of this is to say that they cannot find that remote control. Right, and neither one wants to get up, of course. Hmm. So so then they don't. So they just keep watching <laughs> bad TV, which is great. Yeah, it's sweet. A perfect little short story. Also, the newspaper on the coffee table made me feel like it might be Sunday night. Maybe, but we're going to get to newspapers. All bets are off when it comes to newspapers in this episode. That is true, and she loves the paper. She's a very smart woman. Yes. I think he tolerates it. She loves it. <laughs> she... <laughs> also, the angle. Did it look weird? Uh, yeah, we haven't really seen a a TV POV yeah. shot before. But also the coffee table that they put there isn't always there. Yeah. And the couch, it, was looked, a, it looked all weird like they moved the couch to watch TV. It did. It did look that way. Yeah. So, I don't know. Anyway, that's that scene. <laughs> yeah. Look, man, if you're going to get confused and ticked about those elements of that scene, uh, this is going to be a rough episode for you, buddy. <laughs> okay, so we do the opening credits. Same old mm-hmm. photos, no no twists or turns there. Same photos, same people, which is nice to see. Yeah, same characters, Mm-hmm. which makes sense because that's who we saw in the first scene. Right. Yeah. So we come back. It's another night, and Paul comes home from work. And right. listen, I wish there was a supercut of all of Paul's emotional entrances. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. Because I, it's one of my favorite things on the show. You know what this shitty has you don't find elsewhere? People come up to you on a bus, tell you you're Wayne Rogers, then then yell at you for leaving MASH. It's amazing how these people just find you. People come up to him and say he's, he looks like Wayne Rogers. Do you know who Wayne Rogers is? I do not. I looked him up. I'm assuming that it's a MASH. He was on MASH. Yes. He was Trapper. Okay. And he has lighter colored hair, and he doesn't have any of Paul's facial features. <laughs> but he did have curly hair on the show. So this is just a funny name of, uh, to use. Yeah, but it's also funny that like 5% just... looks like Paul Reiser, and someone's yeah. mad at him for quitting MASH. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I meet these nuts all the time. Not, <laughs> not nuts like that talk to me about me, but Christina can attest, because she's like, this never used to happen to me. And I'm like, this happens to me constantly, where people will just come up to me and start talking usually they want money eventually but like they first want to give me the whole like long stories about like you know getting in the fights or their wives leaving them or like how important it is to like be a good husband like like anything well there was a time that you and i went to katz's deli Uh uh-huh and we ran into a woman in front of katz's and she had some very specific questions for the two of us do you remember this i do but i don't remember what she said what did she ask we're standing in front of Katz's Deli, Lower East Side of Manhattan. Yeah. Which, by the way, is where they filmed the scene in When Harry Met Sally. Mm-hmm. They've got they've got pastrami. Sa- I'm, I know you know this. I'm telling the listeners. They've got pastrami sandwiches. Russ, I know. I, I went with you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> so this woman comes up to us. We're standing in front waiting for our friend. So the front is arrive. outside the rest. It's a restaurant outside. with walls and, a, you know, so. 
you understand. Yeah, there are, there's a ceiling, uh, lights. So uh, we've set this. We've set the stage. So, so this woman comes to us and she says, "Excuse me, is this is a restaurant." And we're like, "Yeah, <laughs> that's right." She says, "Yeah." We said, "Yeah." So, okay. And what do they serve there? Like, oh, they have like sandwiches and stuff. They have you know cold cuts, deli sandwiches. We said, "Okay." Do a lot of Jews eat there? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, yeah, you know, sure. Prob- I mean, a lot of people eat there, but yeah, it's a, it's a take on a Jewish deli. Absolutely. It's not a take. Yeah. It's okay. literally. <laughs> it is. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, okay, is Jerry Seinfeld Jewish? That's right. She just asked that out of nowhere. Well, she was and on a like, Jewish tear. We're like, yeah, yeah, he's Jewish. And then, to her credit, (laughs) we've already got A and B. So she asked C and said, does Jerry Seinfeld (laughs) eat in there? That's right. Oh, I'm so glad you've reminded me of this story. And we just had to be like, you know, I don't know. Probably. Probably. (laughs) And it took us. uh, And she was like. Oh, I don't want to eat in there. I'm not really hungry. We're like, what's yeah. happening? <laughs> uh, eventually, we shook her because even though she said, I don't want to eat in there, she still stuck around. That is right. Um, what a joy. Oh, man, oh, man. So. Oh, so he comes home with uh, arms full of... He's got tons of VHS tapes, which is such a, like, a harried film editor's uh, <laughs> yeah. New York yes. existence. I got so many tapes to bring home. I couldn't even fit them all in my bag. <laughs> and, Arms full of tapes. Yeah. And Jamie's limping around. Like, Jamie's got one sock on in a robe, and she's looking for her other sock. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then she gets, to me, very, very sarcastic. Look everywhere else. Check the cupboards. For your sock? Yes, I'm looking for a sock. You figured out the game. Now help me play. <laughs> Yes, yes. I mean, I didn't like that. Me neither. Especially for a woman who can't find her lucky... She says they're her lucky socks. Right. We're like, well, what do you need luck for? That never got explained. There's like, I'm walking around the apartment doing well, nothing, wearing a robe. She, I need my lucky socks, and it's a big pitch. deal if I can't find them. Maybe she's got a big pitch the next day Maybe. Or so, you know. I just want to hear that line, John. Computron. Computron. Maybe they're thinking she's about got, leaving. She's got the Unix account. <laughs> Oh, I do love the exchange, though, when she's like, these are my lucky socks. And he just goes, well, it looks like your luck has changed, babe. Yeah, that's pretty funny. He goes into the kitchen. He comes back with a big, beautiful bottle of Evian. Huge bottle of water. Like, this and couple I, it is me, so wealthy. Yeah, it made me think. I was just like, a bottle of water in 1993 seemed very out of place. Or it, it may have been like right at the beginning of the bottled water boom. Yeah, maybe. It seemed very decadent to me, too. Yeah. It's like, yeah, what are we, in India? Like, tap. <laughs> It's a strange, what a strange thing that we both felt about this, where here we are, it's 2017, we're watching this show, and we're just like, oh, look at the fancy guy with a bottle of water. Yeah, I'm literally drinking out of a plastic (laughs) bottle of water right now. No joke. Oh, well, excuse me, your highness. (laughs) Well, class is a big part of this episode. That's true. Uh, And Jamie parlays the sock hunt into a conversation about hiring a maid. Yes. Which is a conversation they've had before. Mm-hmm. And Paul is not into it. He is not. He doesn't want people helping him, serving him. He's a man of the people. I understand this impulse. Oh, of course. I get having uh, maids and having cleaning services come in, and I'm sure that it is fine and lovely. But yeah, that 
ease is very real for me, especially when Paul gets into it a little bit later. I'm like, yep, I get it. I I wouldn't even like I feel weird about the concept of Roombas. That's insane. Yes, I know. You're crazier than Paul. Bu- uh, wow, I've never said that, but you're crazier than Paul Buckman. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you're right. Where I'm just like, oh, look, I what? I don't have enough. I can't vacuum my own carpet. I need to get a robot to do it. No, well, uh, no, that it's just like, hey, dude, you can. It, it's okay. I can it's, see that. <laughs> well, no, I'm kind of. I mean, I, it, listen, if Roombas were cheaper, I'd disagree with you. But aren't they like hundreds of dollars? Yes, they are. No, so I'm with you. That to me is ridiculous. But yeah, I don't feel guilty that it's working. Is that why you don't like them? I'm sure. It has more to do with the money. Yes, me too. I'm not calling for all-out class warfare against Roombas. Right, right. <laughs> Roombas are taking our jobs. <laughs> oh, Jamie's like, Jamie's like, people wait on you at restaurants. Like, does that make mm-hmm. you uncomfortable? <laughs> or shouldn't that make you uncomfortable? He's like, it does. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Which is great. <laughs> He's so neurotic. Yeah. As they are having this conversation, Jamie is walking around just finding newspapers and throwing them onto the floor. Yes. Hey, John, what's that about? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I was going to say to clear off the table that they're on, but you're just moving a mess. She like it, And it's so centralized, it's like she's going to set them all on fire in the middle of their apartment. <laughs> Speaking of which, apparently <laughs> they reference a chore chart. Yes. Like they're college roommates. <laughs> like they're college roommates. Yeah. Because they talk about, why don't we do our own work around the apartment? Right. And he says, no, we tried that, didn't work, remember the chart? And he says, yeah, well, that wasn't our fault. It got too close to the stove. Yeah, which means they so, made uh, a chart big enough to put on the wall, and then it caught on fire. Or Paul Burns. Weird. But so, Just why weird. would a married couple make a chore chart? And uh, and if you like, even if you did have a chore chart like that, it's like to then say, oh, well, we we made that chart and it almost caught fire. So I guess we just don't clean anymore. That's the that's what I've sure. Deducted. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I guess that's some sitcom logic there. That doesn't bother me. <laughs> that is a real magnifying glass. You're looking at it. That under. is true. But then, uh, so then they end up in this like circular logic conversation that Jamie drives beautifully. Well, I don't want to get a maid. Well, you don't have to. I already got us one. Well, you already got us one? I did, yes. Without talking to me about it? We just talked about it. Yeah, but well, I, I, I said no. Well, I already hired her. You're unbelievable. Just one day a week. But then what was the point of discussing this? You're right. That was wrong of me. <laughs> what just happened to me here? She's trapped him. Logically. Uh, yes. But also I feel like I feel bad painting it this way because I feel like we're turning her into... But she is like this, but we're turning him into like a David Mamet female character. <laughs> like yeah, a little bit. Abuse, this, this doesn't really paint her in the best light. Yeah, she's just this manipulative like woman trying to trick men into doing things that she wants. When he asks, so why did we have this conversation since she did it anyway? It's not even like, why are we having this conversation? Because by the end of it, even though I wanted to do something, you want to do the other thing. So we're going to do the other thing. I understand that thing. But the idea of being like, oh, wait, so you already did the thing? Oh, yeah. But you had the conversation as though you didn't? Yeah. 
It's just like, so literally, why did we have this conversation? But guys do that all the time on TV shows. Yeah, I guess you're right. All the time. That's what. I, that's why I love when she does it. Yeah. Because guys are always, you know, it's such a common thing to do to your wife, you know, to be like, to act oh, yeah. like this thing that you already did or already happened as a suggestion. Right. To get them on board. Right. And then to be like, well, I did it already. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. No, she's You've very good me. at what she does. Yeah, and then she gives him a very fun and funny kiss. He's like, you're right. That was wrong of me. <laughs> right. Yeah. So the maid is coming once a week. Mm-hmm. So we go to the next scene. I presume it's the next day. Yep. And Jamie, it's clearly like before work because Jamie's mm-hmm. in her work clothes and like furiously vacuuming right the living room yes which is something which is, i do when yes when you know that uh somebody who's going to clean is yeah, coming over i tidy up for sure yep same as you know i'm going to the dentist i need to uh yeah. brush and guard like take care of that stuff i need to, i'm going to you know any sort of doctor specialist is like i've got to make sure that that is uh in full working order even though they are going to th- th- their plan is to take care of it that is so weird yeah because surely they've seen so much worse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's their job to see worse. Right. Right. Oh, and Paul comes out. Surely this bothered you. His brightly colored flannel is so long. It's re- it's very big. It, like it looks like Joseph in the Technicolor dream coat long. Yeah. He's got a sleep flannel on. It's insane. <laughs> Why would he have that? I simply don't know. It's too long. It's too long. If he tucked it in, it would go beneath the inseam. I don't know, man. You didn't think that was cool? It was too much. What's a cool guy like Paul Buckman doing wearing such a long flannel? That doesn't jive, man. No, it (laughs) It doesn't. (laughs) It does not jive at all. Uh, but the door buzzes. It's Fran with the maid. And Fran yep. is there. Another great entrance. Like a loaded entrance. Just boom. Them. What are them? You hired a team? It's not bad enough we're exploiting one person. Now we got two. Fran's bringing her. Fran. What's Fran? Our agent? I know Fran. It's her maid. She thinks she owns her. Hi. Hi. Good morning. Hello. Did I tell you? Isn't she? Incredible. Masha, this is Jamie and Paul. Paul, Jamie. This is Masha. Hi. Hi. I have a cousin named Marsha. No R. What? Masha. Masha. Yes. Masha. <laughs> She's a jewel. If I had to choose between her and Mark, I don't want to think what I do. <laughs> she is so the way she talks about Masha though is so gross, right? It's yes. <laughs> she is she is still a person. It's so dehumanizing. And- Everybody in this episode forgets that. Except Paul. Except Paul, yeah. Yeah, and And Selby. Yeah, that's true, too. She appreciates him for it. Yeah. Yeah. Too much. So we learn we learn that Masha is not named Marsha, but Masha. And we learn that she is from Minsk. Yes. Suburbs much or like, like Minsk, Minsk proper. That's a funny little goof that Paul asked. Um, she was in the Russian we Navy? She was in the Russian Navy, yes. Uh, we learn a lot about her. Yeah. Oh, so she sits down on the couch and Murray comes trotting out. Yep. And is very friendly and she pets him. And we find out <laughs> that's a girl. It's so... this. If this was any other race... Or even Russian now, this would be too edgy, I think. Very offensive. It's very offensive. It's a lot. I guess that's the right word. But she just goes, as a girl, I kill wild boar with my hands. Mm-hmm. And then Murray runs away. Yeah. Well, like, like she, they he, like, usher him away. Yes. The whole thing is strange because they say, are you afraid of dogs? And she doesn't say yes or no. She says, I killed a wild boar with my hands. Yeah, that is an ambiguous... Like, did you kill it and out of fear? Th- yeah. It's like, what? Why? What? And and why did you say that now? 
but it's weird enough that they're like, okay, dog, get away from her. Right. Clearly, she just kills things. Yeah. Yes. Because she's get, a get Russian. Of, she's an enemy. Get her away. Yeah. Get her away from the murder yeah. maid. Get Murray out of there. I mean, uh, the, sure. The, did the Cold War end a few years before this episode was shot? Yes. Did it really end though? No. No. Never. Not at all. Uh, so Paul just wants to interview her. And mm-hmm. Jamie sort of stops him. That was like a recreational thing or maybe part of a cooking thing? Long story. Well, tell us about that. I'd be, I'd be curious. Honey, not a cocktail party. I'm sure Masha would like to get to work. I know I would. Masha work. Friend shop. <laughs> Going to Saks. I'll share a cab with you. Let me just show Masha the environs. And I thought, they do this the whole episode too. When they talk like, like when she goes, Masha clean, Fran shop. Yes. Like they make fun of the way they sure do. Yeah. You can't, you can't do that, nor should you do that. I feel like they, I feel like they should have known that then. Like, (laughs) that's true. I know that that this is me speaking from the future where we're a lot more developed. Yeah. Interpersonally. But I feel like even at the time when somebody said, if somebody had written that joke, he said, Fran, uh, Fran shop. She's like, uh, I I don't know, man. (laughs) That's. It's kind of gross. Yeah. Though I also do think they're making her. I could be wrong. This is the same thing I say about Entourage that people are like, you're crazy. Because like with Entourage, I'm like, listen, it is so misogynistic that I'm pretty sure it has to be a joke at times because it's too far to not be self-aware of what it's doing. Yeah. And to me, Fran is so gross in this episode. They're do- They're having fun with it. Like just this Upper West Side, like rich woman. Could be. Being semi-dehumanizing to like her workers. Could be. I'm genuinely not sure. Well, I always err on the side of the powerful, so that's what I'm going <laughs> well, with. It's true, you do. <laughs> oh, Ugh, I love how do, you, how do you sleep at night, John? Pretty well? Very comfortably. <laughs> <laughs> on my so, high yeah. threat count sheets from Unix. Great. <laughs> they make a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> this episode's sponsored by Unix. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Oh, Paul doesn't want to be left alone with Masha because the girls are leaving. Yep. Which I also get. Mm-hmm. I, I, that gives me anxiety. Have you ever had yes. a cleaning person come over and you just sort of like do your life there while they clean? Uh, not a cleaning person, but an exterminator. When the exterminator comes, I will follow the exterminator around. You will? Uh, that sounds so yeah. annoying, right? It might be. It's a small apartment, but also I'm just like, look, I don't know what you're going to do in there. I don't know where you're going to spray stuff. I don't know what's oh, going to yeah, happen. Oh, yeah, no, it seems important that you you should know in um, case you, like, lick it or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, are you just going to spray that part of the windowsill? <laughs> I, I, uh... I really, I, I look, I, I lick there two or three yeah, times that, a week. That's the window so I push my face up against when I'm waiting for my girlfriend <laughs> to come home. <laughs> Sorry, I got it. I got that part. Don't worry about it. <laughs> that's the one I wait for uh, Santa and his yarmulke elf to <laughs> flying through. Oh, man. <laughs> that's, that's where I wait for the Rebbe to beat me. <laughs> All sentences that would make sense in Brooklyn circa 1992. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Oh. oh, and then we get another little racist, fun Russian joke where we learn my father was contortionist in Moscow Circus. He could yep. fold himself into a box. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, she says as a response to Paul saying, that's good, you're flexible. Meaning I can clean with even lesser cleaning products. Right, right. But obviously 
she doesn't get that because she her English is so poor. Oh man, it's just hilarious. <laughs> but it is a little. What a great! I'm joke. surprised Paul wasn't more into that contortionist story though, given his fascination with the circus. I am not surprised. I am angry <laughs> since I hated that circus storyline so much because it came so out of the blue. That yeah, if she's gonna say she was he was in the circus, I want I need Paul to be super excited about it. Yes. This this episode needs to take a 180 and just become about Paul's fascination with her father, the contortionist. <laughs> because anything less means that it's just uh, a dumb storyline for one dumb episode. You and want I'm not me on that, Paul. It. You need me on that, Paul. <laughs> we use words like circus, contortionist. <sighs> I wish I knew that monologue better. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Sweepstakes, if anyone wants to do a Mad About You, Paul Buckman <laughs> parody version of the monologue from A Few Good Men, we'd love to read it. Yeah, I'm on board. So Paul, oh, Paul starts trying to help her, right? He's like, oh, would you like some coffee? Have you eaten? And she's like, oh, I'll get you coffee. I'll cook you food. I cook Fran food. And then he very, like, clearly sets up the episode. He's like, you're not my servant, okay? You're my friend. Mm-hmm. And in that beautiful little vaudeville way, she goes, thank you, Mr. Paul. I go scrub toilet. Really great. Yeah. That's a fun little, a fun little couplet. Yeah. So later, um, later that night, mm-hmm. Paul is hanging shirts in his closet and Jamie comes home and is an absolute awe. It's spotless. This is the same night, right? This is after yeah. her very first. Yeah. That's what I thought too. Everything happened so suddenly. The arc of this episode happened so quickly, I part of me wanted her response to be like for three weeks down the road. Have but you it's ever not, had it's a one day. person clean your house? No. Oh, let me tell you something, Russ. This is exactly what happens. Sure. You well, I used... when you see it, your jaw, unless they're real bad, is like on the floor. Yeah. Because they've cleaned it's just like when Jerry hires that Columbia student. Yeah. They clean things because you know, they're looking at your house for the first time. Mm-hmm. They're seeing things you didn't even know were dirty. Yeah. And cleaning them. And then when you see it clean, you're like, oh, my gosh. I literally had someone uncoagulate the dish soap nozzle in, in my apartment in New York. And I was like, are you kidding? I was literally walking around the apartment like Jerry. Being like, are you kidding me? She scrubbed behind the, the like, dishwash, the dish dryer thing that hangs on the wall. Yeah. Like, I was texting my girlfriend at the time. <laughs> it's like, this woman's amazing. <laughs> I had... At GW freshman year, they had housekeepers come in for every freshman dorm. Oh, sure. To clean once a week, which was a big plus. That's nice. It was really nice. And then my sophomore year, my buddy and I wound up living in a dorm that was, we didn't know it at the time, the dorm was primarily for freshmen, and we just happened to be living there as sophomores. Oh. And I called beforehand, and I was just like, yes, hi, uh, I'm going to be living in Madison. We're... I'm going to be a sophomore. I know that everybody gets uh, housekeeping. We're not going to get that, though, right? And they were like, oh, no, that's just the future for freshmen. I was like, I understand. And then, like, Friday morning, 10 o'clock in the morning comes around. I'm alone, which is fine. But, like, my roommate isn't there. There's a knock on the door. I open the door, and it's housekeeping. I'm like, yes! Oh, wow. (laughs) So two years of free housekeeping. And, uh, yeah, it was real. It was was pretty sweet. That is nice. A pretty sweet gig. So, Jamie is in awe of the house and the job that she has done. Yeah. That Masha did cleaning. Oh yeah, she goes. You can you can actually see out the living room windows. Mm-hmm. Did you know they finished the World Trade Center? 
So that's a sad joke. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was thinking about it because um, we talked about it briefly. The title card for every episode where they say, where it says Mad About You, yeah. you see a portion of the skyline. And that is a redone image because when you go to Wikipedia, they have the original no. image. No. Yes. And it's got the World Trade Center in it. And Wait, are you talking you about were... the title card like with the name Mad About You on it? Yes, when it says Mad About You. Yes. Over the East River of like the UN. Yes. yes. Oh, that's why I assumed you couldn't see it. Oh. No, they, they they cropped the shot differently. No, but this is a different the... shot. You think it's just a different thing? Yeah, because this is from Wal- This is from Brooklyn, like looking at Wall Street. So you think that the image from Wikipedia is just completely different than what it ever was for the? Well, for the now Open? I'm like, did they just replace the image and take a new shot of like the UN building? Yeah, I don't know. Or are there some episodes that have? this wall street shot and some that don't i don't know either i'm not sure we're gonna find out but yeah i remember when we were talking about doing the show i just remembered thinking that we would start every episode by seeing the world trade center and then just being like okay so it's time for our comedy show and in every episode just being like so um yeah you're right where but that means it must have been in the opening credits (laughs) When you watched it at some point, you right? mean at like, maybe? One? Yeah, yeah. It's, that that is what I'm saying. So they didn't. That was, they didn't that was unintentional, any. by the way. Just now, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Because also, if you took the World Trade Center out of this shot, it would look like cuckoo. You'd be like, "What city is this?" <laughs> right. Yeah. <sighs> anyway. So anyway, Jamie's joke is hilarious. <laughs> oh yeah. Right. Um, right. Oh, Paul says uh, Maja organizes clothes by fabric. Right. All the hangers are unidirectional, which he loves. Which I love too. Mm-hmm. That's a must. I mean, that's crazy though. Uh, yeah, but that's the right kind of crazy. <laughs> no, no. I mean, you would have to put a hanger in backwards. Like, who would do um, that? Well, I'll tell you this. I've got hangers that swivel. They're identical at the top, and the hook swivels. And on one side oh. of the hanger, it's not. It's not wire. It's um, yes, plastic. With yeah, it's a, like a TV. Yeah, Max it's got hanger. a coating thing. And on one side of the hanger, it's got a logo, and the other side does not. Oh. And if things get twisted and the logo is on the wrong is in the wrong direction, it, it it sets me off a little bit. Yeah, that would make me crazy. It gets me a little twitchy. So I totally appreciate Masha for doing Same. this for Paul. I also need the shirts though to be all facing. Absolutely. I need the opening of the clothes to all be in the same direction as well. Absolutely. 100%. We're living in a society. <laughs> That is one of my favorite lines from Seinfeld. It's a good one. Uh, oh, Paul's shoot got rained out, so we stayed home and helped her clean. Yes. Oh, and he does a great physical bit that I wish we could show everyone, where he's like, she even cleaned behind the piano, and then he tries to move yeah. it, and he can't. <laughs> yeah. That gets a huge laugh. Yeah. that gets, And then he also says, well, she moved the piano. So, yeah, so right. again, yeah. strong Russian woman. Yes, very true. But also great that, uh, you know, he could uh, make fun of himself. That's true. On national television. <laughs> what a gentleman. Oh, so then we learned we fu- that she makes, yeah, we learned she makes her own potpourri. We learned that she was a gunner on a submarine. Yeah, he gets like her whole life story. Did you know she was a gunner? A gunner? On a Russian destroyer. She enlisted when she was 16. And, then, and she would have re-upped, but then she developed some middle ear problem or something like that. <laughs> Did you get her whole life story? I enjoy people. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I'm like, to me, it's like, oh, this is why he's a documentarian. Sure. I like people. You know, that's interesting. I That's funny that, yeah, that it connects him to his job. I enjoy people. I thought that that was just some little jokey thing, but no, you're right. That's a, that's a peek into Paul. That's Paul, baby. That's why we love him. That's why. But that's what's so, it's like, if you like people that much, why don't you go out more? 
Uh, that's a good question. That's what I can. That's the conundrum. He, he likes the right. He likes the people he likes. Sure. Sure. You know, which I guess is the same as anybody. Yeah. But but, you don't, you know, you get a feeling about people or you could, you know, he probably likes he likes a person, but he doesn't like people. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, it does. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give it to you. Well, I appreciate it because I'm taking it. <laughs> oh. uh, so we go to the next. Oh, they make a little joke. The blackout here. The button is a blue toilet water like the mm-hmm. Caribbean. Right at home. Sweet. Very funny, Paul. Very sweet. Um, so Masha, we come back and Masha is talking about how boar always tastes better when you kill it yourself. <laughs> oh, though also, let me point out, I think this is the furthest we've ever jumped in an episode. That's true. this is one week later, presumably. Yeah, that's a great point. Finally, we're getting, you know, we're getting tales on an epic scale now. What if they had like marked the passage of time by like having Paul now has a mustache? <laughs> or... <laughs> Oh yeah, or a long oh, he's, beard. He's yeah, he's got glasses now. Yeah, <laughs> Selby has a walker. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, she's telling um, the wild boar story. Yep. Which I also think is like a very subtle because, like in the in the first scene where the boar comes up, she's like, "Oh, it's long story." But now yeah. it's like, "Oh, she's comfortable." They're getting into it. Yeah, yeah. she's like feeling nice at story. home and comfortable. Right. Uh, yeah, and she's folding sheets with Paul, and then we see Selby's there. Selby's there. Selby, it's so good to see you. And she, you can tell she's maybe starting to fall for Paul a little. So, Masha. (laughs) How old were you when you knew you wanted to clean? (laughs) What kind of question is that? Masha doesn't just clean. She's got a lot of interests, you know, cooking, Painting, artillery. Mr. Paul, you are too kind. Uh, please stop calling me Mr. Paul. Sounds like I married into a fish stick dynasty. <laughs> a little bit. Did you get the fish stick? I mean, the fish stick dynasty is specific. It makes me laugh. But I, is there like a specific thing he's alluding to? Uh, Mrs. Paul's is a brand of fish stick. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, yes. that's so funny. It's a funny joke, yeah. Oh, oh that's so great. Yeah. Pretty good. Oh, that makes I'm me I'm on board happy. with that joke. <laughs> oh, and then uh, we do it again. This time, Selby. Oh, I also love what how Selby, do? like, the way he hits on her. Selby says ridiculous things. He does, but he's, like, kind of sweet. Yes. You know, he's like, you know, when he's like, oh, what made you uh, want to clean? Yeah, what, yeah. At what point in your life did you know you wanted to clean? Yeah, but he says it in such a sincere way. Yes, he's trying to ask questions. Yeah. He's trying to be interested. Yes, for sure. But then he asks for some stroganoff for the road ski. Ugh, just the worst. Come on, dude. I know, right? No one can stop making fun of the way she talks. You think that that's a, a, a slam on her language on the way she talks? On road road ski? It's a Russian joke. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even think that's of like it Russian as a Russian pig joke. Latin, you know? Yipsky, yeah. yokski, rotski. You know, it is. I didn't even think of it that way because I thought of it just as, oh, now I like it even less. I thought that it was just a way of just, hey, we're going to hit the road ski. Just, hey, this, this one's cool. How about a brewski? How about, you know, uh, turning on the lampski? Nope. And just nonsense like that. But now if it's loaded because of where she's from, now I double hate it. You know what? I just realized we passively dehumanized her because how this is very embarrassing and sad. How did we've gone into every single actor (laughs) as they've appeared on every episode so far. It's true. And this time we were like, oh, the maid. The maid. No, she's an actress. 
She has a name. She's a very she cool actress, actually. Her name's Beata Posniak Daniels. Mm-hmm. And I did a bit of a deep dive on her because I just kept Goog- like I just kept you know googling. She's she's had quite an acting career. Born in Poland, yes. Yes, she's a Pole. That is my that is where my uh, research. Okay, well, that's, ended. That's pretty. That's pretty good. <laughs> I'm glad you did a deep dive because I did the shallowest dive. <laughs> yeah, you broke your neck diving into that pool. <laughs> she had the highest score, according to Wikipedia, highest score in the country on her entrance exam to the National Film School in Poland. Oh, uh, wow. Her first film role was, uh, oh, as an extra. I missed that earlier in the Academy Award winning film, The Tin Drum. But uh, she she was made famous in America when she played Marina Oswald in JFK. Oh, wow. I never saw JFK. I think I would Me love neither. it. Me neither. Oh, really? I would absolutely love yeah, it. Yeah, we should watch it. Yeah. You want to do a mini episode on the four-hour yeah, yeah. JFK? <laughs> <laughs> she was in Babylon 5, another show I didn't watch, but uh, right. obviously heard of. Oh, Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. I don't remember her at all. She was a fiery young revolutionary. Cool. I loved that show. Oh, Dark Skies. I think I used to watch that. Nice. Quite the resume. Yeah, right. She was on JAG. Oh, apparently she had a role on Melrose Place that people still talk about. Did you watch that show ever? Uh, Very, very infrequently. She played Dr. Katya Fielding, a straight woman and mother who decides to marry a gay man. Wow. Wikipedia does not say why. This one threw me. I don't know how real this is. Because this is Wikipedia after all, but it says she played a Japanese nanny in Oliver Stone's Wild Palms miniseries. I believe it. We got a little Scarlett Johansson scandal. Yeah, I'm like, people really don't like to cast Asian people. So I believe that she could play a woman of Asian descent. Sure. Her name was Tambor. Her character name, which isn't specifically Japanese. No, I think of one decidedly not Japanese person when I think of somebody named Tambor. But she's also a performance artist. Oh. And she had a theater company in Los Angeles in the early 90s where she did like weird avant-garde, like all the names of the shows she created are super out there. Like, uh, oh, it was called Theater Discordia. Hmm. And the shows were called like Return of Bibilicus, Poeticus Umbilicus, Changing Flags, We and They. And the photos of like this like text being like projected onto her face. Great, great. But she's like a, and she's also like a painter. Like she's just an artist. Also, apparently, she's the person responsible for National Women's Day in America. Really? Yeah. She like devoted, beginning in the late 80s, soon after her arrival in America, she campaigned to get the U.S. government to recognize International Women's Day. She accomplished the introduction of the first bill in the history of the U.S. Congress for national recognition of the house of the holiday, designating March 8th, and the first one was March 8th, 1994. Isn't that well, something? it really is. I am sorry that we called you maid <laughs> for so long. And I think she's married to this guy, Jeff Daniels, Jeffrey Daniels, who's an architect in L.A., who does a lot of weird... Like, I didn't know he did this, but there's like a super weird KFC on Western that looks like a a fried chicken bucket. Interesting. Yeah, that's him. So they sound like a very cool couple. Thank God we finally got to talk about this woman's husband. (laughs) I saved it. I very specifically saved it till the end. (laughs) Oh. But for a while, for a while, <laughs> I was focusing on her own uh, uh, successes and the value of her own individual personality and trials in this life. Oh, but her husband made a chicken uh, restaurant. Great. Yeah. Well, Ooh. yeah. I mean, obviously, now that bio I, really picked now up I, at the end, I'd say. Now, now I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> 
but uh, she's pretty cool. They, they seem pretty yeah, cool, totally. and I feel like they'd be very fun to have dinner with. Repeat her name, please. Beata Posniak Daniels. Beata Posniak Daniels. Welcome. Welcome to this podcast. Yeah, welcome to the pod. We're happy to have you. Hey, maybe um, maybe we can uh, get a, a little interview going. Maybe she could be absolutely. Be I would love to reach out. We'll give it a shot. I would love to find out what she, what kind of car she thinks a dinosaur drives. I'll see if I. <laughs> oh yeah, that was fun to get a few entrants on that. Yeah, They'll... keep on keep on sending them. Yeah, keep please do because so far two of them discount the the setup immediately. Yes. <laughs> And say Sweet either no maintains. car or... Yeah. yeah, what kind of car would a dinosaur drive? Yeah, let's try to answer the question. We want to make you famous. Um, so... Back to the show. Back to the show. Uh, he asked for some Stroganovsky for the road ski. Right, right, that's right. Uh, and he's got to scoot he... off because he's taking his grandma to the Natural History Museum. Mm-hmm. And then he makes a very dark um, joke. Because Paul's like, uh, what a good grandson. And he's like, I am a good grandson. Oh, yeah. Plus some That's inner right. will. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, it's a weird one. He's only good to get the money. They just didn't Gross. know what to do with him, I guess. Uh, yeah, that is true. Uh, so Masha comes back in from the kitchen and says, please add milk when you reheat. Yeah. And uh, Selby says, oh, I don't cook. I'll probably just eat it on the subway. Right. And that's supposed to be the gross part, but so is adding milk to anything when you reheat it if it isn't like uh, potatoes or It's the closest thing to oatmeal. potatoes, which is noodles. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, eh, wrong. Not giving it to you. Not going to give it to me? No. Fair enough. So this is delicious. Okay. Add milk to everything. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Nope. Those are, the, those are your choices. It's either gross to add milk to anything, or you should add milk to everything when you reheat it. <laughs> I'm a very black and white person, so I read you loud and clear. Well, when <laughs> Selby leaves, mm -hmm. Masha talks trash. You are kind to be his friend. <laughs> Compared to you, Mr. Selby is stupid. <laughs> well, well, you're a very perceptive woman. Yo, let me get that. You should be able to get going before the buses get crowded. No, no, it's okay, Mr. Paul. You are too kind. You, you should not be doing this for me. I'm just helping. All the heavy stuff I leave for you. What? You are different. Not like men in my country. In my country, men are tough and hard. And you are soft, like woman. <laughs> Masha becomes the voice of the audience. Yes, right. And she's Which very blunt so infrequently. in that Russian yeah. way. He's stupid. Mm -hmm. He's stupid. Um, very, very funny. And and she, yeah, we start to see that she is definitely oh, having yeah. a bit of a, a big old crush. Uh, when she tells, like, you can see where it's going when she's like, and soft. And when she gets to like woman, the look on uh -huh. his face is priceless. Yeah, it's that funny, weird thing where it's just like, oh, the strange, you know. It's like, oh, God, yeah, don't. The worst thing that you could tell, tell a man is that he's like a woman. Oh, I thought you were going to. Yeah, uh, uh, sure. No, you're right. You're right. I think but that it's Paul. Still fun. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like I get, I get that that is a funny thing, but also 
That's a weird thing to be funny. I say that. That being said, if somebody were to be like, hey, Russ, you're kind of like a woman in this respect. I'm like, well, I don't know. <laughs> well, it's also being told to him by someone who is a woman. That's true. But far more classically masculine than him. That's true. So it's turning everything on its head in a funny way. Yeah. Yeah. It's let's almost break like some gender roles. Mad about you. Loving it. Right. Yeah. Well, let's not. <laughs> I get that. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. We'll do some trimming of this section, John. Oh, <laughs> uh, you think we said something bad? Just a tiny bit. I don't. Okay. Sweepstakes. Did we offend anyone? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we'll talk about this. It's it's cool, but we'll talk about it. Okay. Um, Uh, Paul wrestled in junior high. Yep. Which is pretty lame, right? Yeah, it's 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 certainly a lame thing to brag about. Yeah, any sport in junior high is a joke, right? Yeah. Okay. Basically. Um. Yeah, and the idea of oh, you're soft like a woman. Hey, I wrestled in junior high. I'm like, oh wait, I'm all mixed up in my notes. What happened? Nothing. I like, I think I just hallucinated. Yeah, I think I just hallucinated something in my notes that you said, but I didn't write down at all. What happened? Nothing. It's fine. Let's go back. Okay. That's just weird. I like imagined text that wasn't there. Cool. Boy, these Unix vitamins are... uh... Those mushrooms are kicking in? (laughs) Unix vitamins are uh... (laughs) not what I bargained for. I guess not. More. Unix vitamins. I was making a Unix joke. (laughs) I'm with you. Are you? Is it not funny I am, then? I, you tell me it's not funny. No, I'm with you. It is funny. I thought I was waiting for you to uh, bring us back home. To, 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 since you hallucinated stuff, I didn't know where you wanted to start talking again. <laughs> Scene one. <laughs> oh, so Jamie comes home and her just her presence sort of like just throws a wet blanket on whatever Mosh is going through. Right. This like pining for Paul. Mm-hmm. And so Masha like goes to leave, and as she goes, Paul's like, "Oh, I got those Hazel episodes for you." Yeah, which is a show I never watched or had heard of Me until neither. George Costanza I, referenced it. I I still don't know what it is. I don't either. I never bothered looking it up. Yeah, but you remember when George is tied up to the bed? Yes, and he's saying kids would taunt him and be like, "Ah, oh, your mother's uglier than Hazel," or <laughs> "Oh, Hazel, your Hazel really puts your mom to shame." You remember that? I, I remember him being tied up to the bed. I don't remember the Hazel jokes. That's funny, though. Well, yeah, because I... Oh, so Hazel was played by Shirley Booth, which is a name of a person that we recognize, but I don't know you know, who that really is. I also don't know. This is a show from 1961 to 1966. Let's get into it. George Baxter was a highly <laughs> successful corporation lawyer who was always... A Let's not get into it. <laughs> <laughs> don't you want to really get to the bottom of this joke? Next week, maybe. <laughs> Fair enough. Sweeps, sweepstakes. What's the bottom of this joke? Uh, uh, I think, honestly, it's that Hazel's a funny word. I think you're right. <laughs> so she leaves. Masha leaves. And Jamie immediately. Oh, yeah. This is a this is a great, like, this joke gets a huge laugh. Goodbye, Mr. Paul. Okay. You and your little Baltic friend have fun today? <laughs> Huge laugh. Your little Baltic friend. Woo. Huge laugh. The audience really likes the word Baltic. Yeah. I do, too. Me, too. And there's just <laughs> something, you know, she asks with, like, a confidence. Mm-hmm. It's like, in her voice, you're like, oh, she knows exactly what's going on. She's not threatened by it at all. Right. 
That is a nice and funny thing about their relationship is that she knows that he is either a flirt or a sucker or just changes the way that he behaves around right. women. Right. But also that he is totally in love with Jamie and it would never go any further than right. than that. And so when he does this, when he behaves in this way, when he flirts like this, she's able to just be like, oh, you flirt with this woman and uh, and make semi-light of it. Just not have it be a huge blowout. Because it could be. Sure. That's the other way that this could go. She could leave and Jamie could just be like, well, you're flirting with that woman. She's never going to be back in our apartment. Mm-hmm. And that would be so boring. Right. So It certainly wouldn't be this fun. This is a fun departure. Yes. Oh, so Jamie's like just telling him the facts. Like, listen, yes. this woman has a crush on you. She likes blah, 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 as they walk into the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you're crazy. Yep. And we discover that Masha left a painting that she made of Paul for him on the piano bench. Mm-hmm. Paul in a white jumpsuit. Mm-hmm. With his chest, with, like, uh, exposed. Yeah. Like Putin. Like Putin. Yeah. A very deep V of a collar and just chest hair everywhere. And it says Masha in huge letters. Yes, she signed it so that the back of the house would know that it was a Masha. I wonder if she... I doubt it, because it's Hollywood and they were in a hurry, probably. But she is a painter. Oh, is she? Yes, the actress is a painter. Interesting. Yeah, among other things. Among performance artists and actress and activists. A multi-hyphenate. Big time. Way to do it. But this painting is great. Yes. It reminds me of the Kramer painting. Yeah, it kind of does. I'd buy that two-pack. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. (laughs) So we come back from commercial, mm-hmm. and it's like it's a new show. What do you mean? In some, it was just to say there's suddenly ants. Like the mood of these people, based on what has happened, it's not a direct one to one. Because Jamie is saying you drove her away. Well, how did? Oh no, it's because now it's like a week or two later, and she hasn't yeah, shown we... up. Did we hear that? Did we hear? No, he, we're learning it now. Up. I don't like it. I need to. I I needed to see that. Oh, the I show needed didn't to see... spoon feed the basic plot enough. That's the criticism. I needed to see him say, uh, well, I haven't called you or like I haven't. We need to see him mistreat her because as it stands, she's been weird. She's done the weird thing. Masha. And yes, Masha. And then all of a sudden she's unspeakably sad. Okay, I'll uh, I'll give you that. Well, thank you. I I regret that I can't do it with less attitude. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you do regret that. I think... (laughs) Uh, I think if my phone had eye-rolling technology... uh, Oh, Unix is working on that. (laughs) All they can get the eyes to do, though, right now is cross. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Uh, So they're in the living room now, I guess weeks later, and the portrait is, like, on full display. (laughs) Yes. I'm sure because of Paul, because he loves it. He does. He's He's very flattered by this. The eyes follow you, I think. (laughs) Uh, Oh, and Jamie's looking. Jamie starts looking around for something again. Yes. And she she makes a little joke. Or they make a little joke. What are you, are you still looking for that sock? No, I found it. I'm looking for the other one. (laughs) Yep. I thought that was a great joke. And the audience did not. Did not. Did not. They were not into it. That's a They're perfect like, yeah, we little get it. joke. Sure. That's a perfect sock joke. <laughs> Who doesn't love a perfect sock well, joke? How many things come in pairs? Are you talking about socks or sock jokes? <laughs> uh... The rule of comedy is not the rule of socks. Sock jokes out of being three. <laughs> 
And they're sequential. Uh-huh. So, yeah. So, Fran shows up, as we've said, I believe. And uh, uh, Yeah, no, right. She comes in and is very... She comes in mad again. Yep. Loaded. She does a great yep. monologue. Come in. What did you do to Marsha? Why? What did she say? Nothing. All I know is I lent you a perfectly good cleaning machine, and she came back broken. <laughs> She's broken? For three days, she has been moping around and crying her eyes out. Oh, that's, that's, that's terrible. You're telling me my house is a disaster. Dishes piled to the ceiling. Egg hardens as we speak. And I just know that you have something to do with it. No, what could we have done? You were so nice to her. Um, uh, we were almost too nice. Yeah, well, maybe Mark said something. Maybe she's homesick. Good. <laughs> Very cold and dehumanizing. <laughs> I lent you a machine and, I, and you broke her. It's so crazy. Gross. Oh, it's so funny though. I think it's it's gotta be. You know, they know what they're doing. I think they're making her a little uh, ugly this episode for fun. A little snooty, okay. a little snobby. I'm sure. I'm sure you're right. I'm not having as much fun. <laughs> uh, fair, sure. Um, and so as they're talking about this. The painting is in full display, and they don't want Fran to see the painting. They will know that something is up. Right. And so Paul gets up. He doesn't bring the painting into another room. He stands in front of the painting. Because he had time. He had time to move that painting, right? 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Get that painting out of there. Yeah. You've got to bring it into the bedroom. And Instead, but no. we get a good old-fashioned... What are you doing? Nothing. Nothing. I'm just standing. I'm standing uh-huh. in my spot. And then this he is, this bends is one of those old in the way of her like, Ugh. This yeah, is not it. good. I hated it. Hated this bit. Where, yeah, he's bending to make sure that she can't see the painting. Until finally it's, oh, honey, honey, it's, it's, it's fine. It's she a, sees it. Yeah, she's figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I felt the same. I wrote the note, he and Fran do some stupid thing where he tries to block her view. That's my note for this scene. Yeah, that's uh, that's true. Yeah. It's a bit of an um, old uh, bit, I guess. He does. Then they get into talking about how uh, she has a crush on him. And he says, I just hammered her shoe. And Fran says, I, I don't, don't even want to know what that yeah. means, <laughs> which is fun. Yeah. The little catch I like in that. his voice. He I like that. so too. interested. I mean, Jamie picks apart exactly what he does, and it's so yep. true. Yep. They're always so good on this show, like nailing each other's behavior. Because the yeah. behaviors pretend, because it's a TV show. Right. But they nail yeah, it you... so specifically and accurately that it's like mind boggling sometimes. Well, it's not super mind boggling because, like you said, it's written. So you can say, you get this little catch in your breath and this little frog in your throat. You do this throaty thing. And he could say, I don't do that, but he does do it because uh, he knows to do it because it's been written beforehand. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Can't argue with that. I'm sorry to burst your bubble on the way that scripted television works. Yeah, no. But yeah. they plan all that beforehand. Ugh. <laughs> I wish I didn't know that. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, bud. Oh, I also love when before they get into this whole flirting thing, Paul's just like, he's like, oh, I read somewhere that Pledge is an aphrodisiac. Yeah, that's a funny joke. Oh, Fran has house guests from New Jersey, we find out. Yes, very interesting. And she she's terrified of disappointing them and embarrassing herself. Yeah. So we leave this scene that you don't like that much. Right. And we go to Mark and Fran's kitchen, which we've been yes, to because, once before. Yes, Paul and Jamie are going there while Masha is there. Right. In order to, because Paul is going to break up with Masha. Right. 
He's gonna break up with his maid. Yes. So, so she's in this disgusting, filthy kitchen, mm-hmm. like wiping cereal basically on the floor from the counter because she's not yes, paying she attention. Can't, yes, she can't be. She's so sad she can't even throw yeah. it away properly. She spoons half of it into her hand, and then at the end of that, she dumps that stuff from her hand onto the floor. Yeah, and Mark is uh, Mark's behind her getting a drink out of the fridge, and he gives mm-hmm. her a little, little, little patriotic pep talk. <laughs> oh, Marsha, please, what can I do for you? How can we make you feel better? What, what do you want? Do you, you want to raise or, or shorter hours? Make you feel more at home? We can get a colder in here. Thank you. I don't think anything can help. Oh, no, 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 Marsha, no, you don't talk like that. You're an American now. you got to get that can-do attitude. I, I can do the kitchen. I can do the bathroom. Yeah, yeah I, I can do it, you know. Yes, which I love. I could see him. A, is he old enough? He's not old enough to be in Vietnam. I feel like. Um, I could just see him if he was like a twenty-two-year-old during the World War Two, just like really going for it, you know? Oh yeah, like really going for it. We're doing this for democracy. Yeah, like he's a real old-fashioned kind of like patriot sometimes yeah. on the show. <laughs> it's true. And the man loves his country. And it's some really funny jokes in that patriotism. You got this. You're an American now. You need a can-do attitude. Yeah. <laughs> I can do the kitchen. I right, can right, do the bathroom. <laughs> also, he has a very weird drink in his hand, which I kept pausing and going back and trying to figure out what it was because it just <laughs> says moment. And moment. It looks like it said moment made, like minute made, but moment. Okay. Could be. It definitely said moment, though. And I was like, what is moment drink? After all, they do have a box of everybody's favorite breakfast cereal, Cap Cap Crunk. Crunch. (laughs) There's no no H in Cap Crunk. Yeah, Unix (laughs) makes. It's a little little gunpowder discharges go off every time you chew. (laughs) It sounds like the uh, Alamo's going down inside your mouth every morning. Oh, my goodness. You think Pop Rocks are crazy. Try Cap (laughs) Crunch. Yeah, so they all show up. Fran comes in with Paul and Jamie. Mm-hmm. And Franler's Mark into the other room to show him the yeah. thing, which I also hate. Oh, sure, where where the person does the husband doesn't get it. Yeah, I'm gonna do. I want to show you the thing. What thing? What thing? The thing. Oh, the thing. Uh, what I do love. Um, I don't know if you noticed this, but he improvises all the way out of the room. <laughs> yes, that is funny. And at the very end, like very end, he still keeps going. Goes, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, still a gem. And then, did you notice that there's silly string on the painting in their in their like eating area and on the light fixture? I did not notice that. How weird! It's disgusting. I mean, there. What's the kid's name? Kevin? No, that's uh, Ryan. Yeah, Ryan's a little monster. Always, always, and forever, just the worst. What a relief that he's not in this episode, huh? I'm so delighted. He must be out with those so friends delighted. from Jersey. <laughs> Oh, so, also they have a uh, swinging door. That I also thought that was weird. I was like, what? "Oh, I didn't realize." What that. is this a '90s kitchen thing? That, like, do you have a swinging door <laughs> in your house when you grow up? I did not. Need the same because it's a crazy thing. Because <laughs> don't you judge their doors? I am. I <laughs> I will absolutely judge their doors. So it then becomes time for Paul to break up with Masha. 
Yes. And just as Jamie has indicated earlier, he gets the little catch in his voice. A little and, uh... catch in his voice. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and she he's... becomes a Cyrano a little in this scene. Yep. She's telling him what to do. At one point, at one point, he puts a reassuring and and or calming hand on her shoulder. And Jamie messes. Jamie drops some plates. Yeah, yeah. Because she's fake washing dishes, and she starts yes. clanging all the pots and pans. Yeah. And, oh, and then it gets into another like sort of an old trope, but I enjoyed it when uh, she just sort of steers him. You know, she's sort of guiding him through this from a distance with charades, right? And she steers this breakup towards him, just naming bad qualities in his personality. See, you don't you don't really know me, Masha, and I gotta I gotta tell you, I'm no picnic. You know, because uh, I I can be really annoying and, and stubborn and, and exasperating. You know, and uh, what else? Putty. Excuse me. I'm putty. Petty. I'm, you, you know, you're really making this a tough choice. I got a woman who loves me and cleans, one who hates me and doesn't. Right. And then he gets the petty thing, you know, of course. You yes, that off. is funny. It's funny, though, yeah. Sure. Oh, and then Masha um, apologizes. Yeah, yeah. He put, she Jamie is excusing herself and to leave the, the area. And Masha apologizes, saying she knows that she came on too strong. No, no, please excuse me. I am sorry I caused all this trouble. No, Masha, you didn't cause any trouble. Yes, yes, I am just stupid. Mr. Paul was kind to me and I misunderstood. It's all my fault. No, 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 it isn't. It isn't. It's his fault. He doesn't mean to, but you know, men, when they get around attractive women, they just do these things. The throaty thing? (laughs) Exactly. They can't help it. It's a whole show they put on. They do not realize the hell they bring to us? Of course they do. That's why they do it. (laughs) Even Mr. Paul? Did he tell you his junior high school wrestling story? (laughs) Yeah, twice. What is a retainer? And yeah, oh, when she yeah, when she pinpoints the throaty thing, classic. Yeah, Masha's onto it. Masha knows she sees, uh, and she knows that she can no longer be their maid. And Jamie wraps things up by asking if she's seen her sock. Uh, oh, but and also that happened. Yeah, yeah. No, I was just gonna say the end of this episode happened so suddenly. Uh, it that did, when, right? Yeah, when the you know the uh, the the created by card came up at the end, I was just like, "That's it, it's over." Yeah, <laughs> like, it, it is weird. It's also weird. They rarely end, like it's weird to end an episode of Fran, like just to go to Fran and Mark's house at the very end of the episode. Yeah, and that's first true. And there, it's like, where are we? What are we doing here? Mm-hmm. We've actually mm-hmm. never been to their apartment. We've only been there via phone calls. That's true. We haven't had them visit there. Yeah, so no. it's just like weird. It was a weird end. But also, Masha but tells Jamie she's a lucky woman. Yes, that's true. Which I feel like happens a lot on the show. Yes. Like, everyone it, has to keep the... reminding her. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Well, yeah, when you're... And that's, that's a funny... That's a funny little bit about marriage and relationships like that, where it's just like, if you're going to have a TV show that's based on conflict, then every now and again, you're just going to have to literally say, I am lucky, and I acknowledge that I am lucky. <laughs> Because yeah. otherwise, what the hell are we doing? Right, 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 right. So, end of the episode, over the credits, we get a fun Ugh. little bit of utter nonsense. Oh, you enjoyed this? Where Murray is taking socks, and he is placing them onto the floor on the other side of the couch. 
One uh, by off the, one. One by one, causing a huge mound of socks. Through and he all does the it credits. three or f- yeah, he does it, I think, three times. And Clearly you're just they like, taught, what is he doing? They taught Maui the dog how to uh, carry and drop a sock and <laughs> one showed up. Because they absolutely would have seen a huge mound of socks on the side of their couch. Yeah, do you think that is the presumption there? What, that he's taking the socks? Yeah, that like her lucky sock is in that pile? Yes, I think that that's what that means. Yeah, that's crazy. Yes. The fact that it's like if this episode is a mystery and the first thing that happens is they set off the mystery of what happened to the sock and the answer to that mystery is, oh, the dog put it in plain sight. <laughs> yeah, the answer is nothing happened to it. Yeah. What happened yeah, the to dog, you that you yeah, didn't the notice? Dog, the, yeah, the dog put it and 30 other socks where you uh, where you hang out every day. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Also, this episode is about cleaning, and nobody seems to have been able to find uh, this mountain of clothes. Right. Uh, but then Murray uh, lays down on the socks, and it's very cute. It is. Yeah, it's cute. <laughs> oh, you big dog lover, you, John. Yeah, it's me. And that's the end of the episode. Somebody says, in front, and we are done. I do love that. Me too. In front. In front. In front productions. I love all those. I, the, what was the, the, the old Newhart one I used to love? Was either I don't remember that. Taxi or Mary, it'd be like, good night, Mr. Something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not positive. But then you got you got Sit Ubu Sit. Oh, sure. Yeah. I couldn't tell you one um, show. They. Uh... I think that that was Family Ties. Ah, I think, it's, I think you're right. I think it's Gary David Goldberg's, the late Gary David Goldberg's production company. Oh, and Ubu okay. was the name. Ubu was the name of that dog, his dog. Um, oh, wow. You knew a lot. Wow. It's like you almost brought that... it up just to show off all your knowledge about it. <laughs> uh, I hope you guys will tune into the Ubu cast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's a great idea for you to do alone. <laughs> Oh my goodness. That is a uh, great idea. Oh yeah, it's happening. 2017 is going to be a big year. Oh, and he uh he directed Must Love Dogs and wrote it. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, so, you know, I don't well know. Well done, sir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay, I guess he <laughs> I guess you like dogs. He, he did other things. Great. <sighs> hey, Rise guys, Rise gals, thank you so much for listening. Yeah, thank you guys. This was a, this was a fun one, I think. A lot of fun. I, you know, fun episode yeah, of the not show. Not a bad episode at all. I enjoyed recording this podcast with you. The news this week I thought was particularly fascinating. I'll have to, t- I'll have to, to tweet some of these articles because I'll tell they you, are great reads. I think it is fascinating that you decided to pat yourself on the back for your own segment publicly. <laughs> I think that takes a lot. So, <laughs> so great job there. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we want to thank Unix for sponsoring I like us. that too. I like that. I like that joke that I said. I think that that was fun. That's my favorite part when I said the funny thing. <laughs> I'm fortunate enough to be on a new team, a new musical improv team, performing oh. on Tuesdays at the Magnet. We are called Squash. Like the game or like the food? Or like the verb when uh, to squash something. Oh, sure. Great. You tell me, John. Great. Why can't it be all three? Uh, No reason. Okay. Did I just blow your mind? No, but is it all three? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's all three. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Why not? It's just a word. Uh, I'd say it's a, not just a word. It's a very robust word. It's a good name. Ooh. Well, thank you. I dig it. And we're fun and we're funny and it's a, a joy to perform 
with Squash Tuesday nights at the Magnet Theater, part of Musical Megawatt Night, 29th Street and 8th Avenue. Come check us out sometime, won't you? John, I got is there nothing. anywhere that... Nothing. Great. Nothing Nothing going on at all. Okay. We get it. Uh... <laughs> so, nothing to plug. Sweet. <laughs> uh, you can just uh, me. tweet. Just me. <laughs> Doing nothing. <You> can... <laughs> out here in Hollywood. <laughs> just sitting around doing nothing. Just nothing in it up. Uh, <laughs> only thing I'm plugging in are plugs. <laughs> you can tweet at me. I'm at Russ Fader, R-U-S-S-F-E-D-E-R. I deleted my Twitter. <laughs> Just kidding, though I haven't tweeted in a while, but <laughs> you know what? Follow me anyway. At yeah. Johnny Marbles No H. And we also have a an account for uh this very podcast at Mad About You Pod. Yes. So that's what we talk about. Sweepstakes. Yep. Also, like us on Facebook. We got a lot of sweepstakes there. Yep. Facebook, Twitter. What else do we have that's social and fun? Uh, iTunes. If you haven't subscribed yet, if you're listening to this, uh, well, I don't know. But if you haven't subscribed yet, (laughs) subscribe. Like us. Subscribe. Yeah. Then you won't miss a single episode. We're fun, and we do fun things for you people. And so uh, shoot us, uh, shoot us, shoot us. uh, 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 yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. No, no. Uh, oh, and if you haven't rated re- and reviewed us, please do. It, it uh, really helps us out, as Russ likes it to does. say. I like that phrase like a lot. <laughs> it does. It helps us out. <laughs> and uh, we're on Stitcher. And that's it, I think. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Your sincere thanks. You guys are so much fun, and we really appreciate you listening every week or any week, whenever it happens. We appreciate Indeed. it. Indeed. John, I'm done. Oh, wait. No, I'm not done, because we've got music, and it is by John D. Ivy, and we've got a logo, and it is by Mr. Nathan Diffie. Thanks to them. They're very great. I think I'm done now, John. What do you think? I think we're done. Great. Folks, rise guys, rise gals. Thanks again. My name is Russ Fader. I'm John Marbley. And... And this is what we're saying.